listening to Gravity Healthcare Hacks with your host, Melissa Brown, Chief Operating Officer from Gravity Healthcare Consulting and self-professed healthcare nerd. Monthly, we will provide industry expertise and tips to help keep your feet firmly on the ground in the world of healthcare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. Today, our podcast is about private equity, innovation, and sniff at home. Our guest is Peter Waziri, Chief Financial Officer at Parkland Health. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. I read that you said, I got into healthcare to make a difference in the lives of others. I joined PCHP because I was attracted to the mission of Parkland and the potential of growing the health plan to complement this mission. Tell me more about your mission and what was so appealing to you about Parkland. So Parkland uh, is a safety net hospital for Dallas County residents. So they take all the indigents of Dallas County that cannot afford healthcare. Don't turn anybody away. So from a uh, place of care perspective, Parkland has Parkland is on that mission. In addition to that, too, Parkland boasts uh, one of the top uh, treatment. Uh, core competencies in the country, such as the Level 1 Trauma Center. The late John F. Kennedy was brought here when he was shot, so was Lee Abbey Oswald by, um, a week later. And uh, is a primary training ground for UT Southwestern uh, doctors as well. So a huge residency program, and um, it's renowned for its born, uh, born unit and wound care. Uh, so, and the department delivers... Um, uh, one kinder class, one kindergarten class a day. So it's also has a huge delivery unit. In fact, in the country, it's probably the top uh, health system in terms of deliveries. So as you can look at that, Parkland has all the continuum from uh, pregnant pregnant moms to newborn, to, you know, and then to adults, and also those that can that cannot afford care. Uh, so that's kind of what attracted me to Parkland and the possibility of how we can make the health plan synergize uh, to even make Parkland a more dynamic and a more effective uh, safety net hospital. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I know that you used to be in a different part of the financial sector and you transitioned to healthcare. Can you talk a little bit about what you were doing before and why you got into the healthcare finance side of things? Sure. So um, before I joined healthcare, I was in uh, financial services. So, so I've worked uh, as a corporate as a corporate banker, investment banker, uh, investment management, private equity, and I have funded all uh, so many businesses in different industries: manufacturing services, healthcare, media, telecoms, commercial real estate, and. Um, Throughout all this, I always gain one satisfaction, and that is the satisfaction of knowing I help this company either get their first loan to build their first, to buy their first machinery to employ their first employee, mm-hmm. or I help this company expand abroad so they could have more imports and again, you know, um, build more wealth. I help this developer build this uh, apartment complex so people have roof over their heads. Or I help this huge, I help fund this 50-unit office building in the central business district that now houses about 1,000 employees. So I always had something I could point to for personal satisfaction. But at my stage of my career at that time, I was in a spot where 
there was the joy of the personal relationship in financial services was wasn't something I, I, I was experiencing the way I experienced it when I first started. And uh, it became more of a trade as opposed to a trade and a transaction. Yes. So having a relationship and a trade, that's that's mutual, that's transaction. It's long term, it's more binding to me, it's more personally rewarding. But if it's just a trade, didn't get that. But um, I knew that um, healthcare was an area I've always had an interest in. And I knew pivoting into healthcare would enable me to fulfill that same personal satisfaction as a satisfaction that I can't put a dollar amount on it. Nobody can take it away from me. It's, it's invaluable and it's highly intangible. So now at healthcare, I can say, yes, I help that family secure health insurance. Yes, I help that person provide them with the information to know that they qualify for Medicaid, where they don't have to pay, there's no copay. I help this individual navigate the complexities of Medicare, right, which is highly complex. I don't care how, uh, all the way from a nuclear scientist to a brain surgeon to an ordinary uh, street sweeper. When you have to go through getting health, healthcare, uh, Medicare, it's extremely complex. So I now, I'm continuing to have that same level of satisfaction. That's me pivoting into healthcare. Yeah, I completely understand that. I became an occupational therapist because when I was 12, my dad had a brain aneurysm and I saw his therapy every single day. And I thought, I can't believe you can get paid to help people. That is the kind of way I want to spend my life earning a living is helping people at the same time. So it sounds like we both kind of come from the same place. So I'd love you to tell me a little bit more about who Parkland is. Uh, you guys are community owned. What does that mean? So Parkland Community Health Plan, PCHP, is a community health plan. And it's community in the sense that it's owned by an entity that is domiciled in Parkland. And that is Parkland Health. So Parkland Health uh, and Hospital is a 900 bed plus uh, system. Like I said, it's a safety net hospital for Dallas residents. So, um, and it's based in Dallas and it's partly funded by Dallas uh, residents, taxpayers. So it's so it's it's localized and based here, hence the community. As opposed to uh, the service delivery area, which is Dallas County where we serve, um, we compete with Amerigroup, which is owned by Anthem, a national company, publicly traded, or Molina, which is also a national company based out of uh, Long Beach, California and publicly traded. So in that sense, we are locally based, locally owned, and most more importantly, provider owned. And the provider is based here in Dallas County. Hence, that's the, that's the definition of community. Okay, wonderful. And um, I'd love to hear from you. I know that you mentioned that, that um, Parkland has recently purchased some various nursing homes. I'd love to know what your thoughts are about Sniff at Home, Hospital at Home. Have you guys been exploring these in Parkland? So as a system, yes, we've been exploring it. And Parkland has been acquiring uh, nursing home facilities. Again, and we're exploring it now from the concept of how can we provide I can provide care right, as a system. How can I provide care for um, you know, our patients? Um, as you know, the concept of the hospital started a few centuries ago, and, and America is just about 200 years old. And when America started, doctors were making house visits, 
Now they hardly make house visits. Uh, so we kind of come full circle in that. And the, other, than, other than drug costs or, or pharmaceuticals, the next one of the next biggest cost component of cost of care is hospital cost, right? So home health removes that facility cost from that cost component. And it creates the opportunity to have an extremely affordable care cost. Right? If you bring the cost to the member, and even a lot of patients and members uh, from all surveys that we're doing, they prefer to be treated at home, especially in, in our older, uh, older years. Um, from a psychological perspective and an emotional perspective, we like to be surrounded by loved ones. Right? We don't want to be in a hospital where loved ones are not there, especially in the, in the last final minutes um, of, of our lives. We prefer to be surrounded by loved ones. And if we can get affordable care, high quality affordable care at home, right? And that's a win-win. So that's why Pathen is um, uh, acquiring um, nursing home facilities because we want to make sure that we want to make the, the patients feel as homely and as comfortable as possible. Now, obviously, this is not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. But give, if you have ownership, it puts you in the driver's seat to make decisions. Put you in the driver's seat to say, as an integrated delivery network like Patent Health, what resources, what subsidiaries can I bring in? Can I bring in the health plan? Talking about providing uh, health coverage. Can I bring in uh, one of our sister entities, uh, which is more in technology or analytics, and can we leverage those resources of big data and analytics to find the best, most efficient cost and deliver that and deliver it to the patient or our member at home? So those are the kind of conversations that we're having. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I really think sniff at home and hospital at home are the future. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about Medicare insolvency with the recently released uh, proposed rule for skilled nursing that's going to uh, have a significant PDPM payment cut. And why are they doing that now in the midst of COVID? And it's really because of the concerns about Medicare insolvency. And if, as we think about the future and alternative uh, care delivery methods and that are cost effective, but also still provide high quality and have good outcomes, sniff at home and hospital home are both ones that if you look at the data, it really makes a lot of sense. And I think not only from a financial perspective and from Medicare survival, is it an important thing to begin to think about, but you know, honestly, as I think about myself as an exennial between Gen X and millennials and my generations, the two that I'm right in the middle of being the next group of people that'll probably be needing um, this type of care, the next big group. Uh, I, I feel pretty confident that people in my generation are not really interested in going to live in a nursing home, that institutionalization is going to be the last thing they want, the last resort when there's no other answer. And I, I even hear about some really interesting models over in Europe where, you know, I could envision here it working something like this, where you've got a continuing care retirement community, a life plan community, uh, assisted living, independent living, and you plant a nurse's aid on that community or however many you need to serve the needs. And they're just paged uh, on their cell phone by every person that needs them. And they go around and meet the needs of those patients and then move on to the next patient. And it's really interesting because 
Most patients don't need three hours of care in the morning and three hours of care in the evening. They need 15 minutes in mid morning and 30 minutes in the afternoon and some time in the morning and the evening. And I think it's just a really interesting model. I think those kind of innovative thoughts are what are going to help us get to the next point of being able to meet the needs in a reasonable and safe way, but also giving uh, patients what they want, which I believe the large majority of us would much rather stay home than find ourselves institutionalized, even for short-term rehab. So while I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, I definitely think we're moving in that direction. I want to talk with you about another fairly controversial topic. There's a lot of talk right now about private equity, especially in senior living. As of the time of this recording, CMS just released ownership information to the public just this week for uh, skill or for senior living. Uh, I'd love to know what are your thoughts about private equity in the senior living space. Uh, my thoughts is um, they're welcomed. They, there's, I mean, they should be involved. I, I. I I always tell people about, you have to go back 200 years to see how America was formed and what the reason why America was formed was for freedom. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just for political freedom, but for economic freedom. And that is that you can come and build your own fortune and build your wealth in any industry, right? And I've, if you looked at history, yes, you have a lot of the foundations that actually served as a bedrock of some of the, uh, a lot of the healthcare systems, in addition to the faith side, has been those from the rubber baron era, you know, Rockefeller Foundation, Kaufman Foundation, uh, Carnegie Mellon Foundation, and they built the great schools that we now have, and also the foundation that exists till today. So you can, ha it, it's good to have those that seek wealth to be part of the healthcare industry. Yes, we know the healthcare industry requires on our now has a public component of it but the public component cannot be the only solution mm -hmm. just as some might argue that private industry component cannot be the only solution so what we need is a whole public private partnership and that can happen in a multitude of ways one of those ways is private equity uh, coming in and either funding the setting up of these institutions or funding the health plan that would that would hold the Medicare, right, of the over 65s that would go into these institutions. So either way you look at it, private equity has a role to play. Um, so you need for profit and profit, both working side by side. It cannot be one or the other. And private equity and the private sector have their own unique set of contributions to bring in addition to public and nonprofit. And you have to get that synergy together. It's like healthcare as a whole. Healthcare needs more synergies. Uh, talk about the, um, the uh, disconnect between um, healthcare siloed, you have uh, hospitals, you've got health plans and you have, um, and you have um, uh, the, the pharmacy and even now the PBMs. Yes, there are gaps and yes, there are silos, but they're actively those who are working either to build companies from the ground up that would break down the silos. And finally, let's not forget, a lot of the systems is based around our huge hospital systems or provider systems. And you have a huge successful company that is not nimble and cannot easily pivot from a strategic point of view. But startup entities, that's all they do. They're very nimble 
and they can come with the best ideas of that time from the best, the new generation at that time. And guess what? Just as industries consolidate, they would eventually consolidate into these bigger companies who would absorb the new skill set and practices and now start implementing it on a wide scale. So private uh, private equity, mostly welcome. Definitely has its place, yeah. Do you have mm-hmm. any objections though to, or concerns about this total transparency of the private equity and senior living? No objections to transparency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Again, when I mentioned public-private partnership, as with any partnership that you have, you need transparency. And if you are going into any kind of trans, any kind of partnership with a government or a public entity or a publicly funded pseudo entity, either Medicare or Medicaid, you need to have transparency because you're using taxpayers' dollars or you're benefiting for taxpayers' dollars, right? And to keep to the spirit of um, making sure that all stakeholders, no matter how low on the totem pole that taxpayer is, they have a right to that transparency because it's their tax dollars that is at play. So the more transparency we have at partnerships, when we have partnership agreements, the better we're going to be for it. Yeah, and I think ultimately it's going to do the same thing as all the other transparency has done on the Care Compare website with Medicare, looking at quality measures and being able to publicize the health inspection reports. I mean, every nursing home is required to have those publicly available in their community, but most patients and family members have no idea it's even happening, much less how or where to access it. And so I think putting it all in a really consumer-faced um location like the Care Compare website, I think has only helped to weed out some of the players that weren't doing the best job that they could. And it's helped to show where some other players were, were helped them to shine in a way that they weren't before. And, you know, I've seen everything over the spectrum. I've seen not-for-profits that didn't do such a great job. And I've seen for-profit organizations that did a phenomenal job. So I don't really think that the answer is in one structure versus the other. I think the answer is in data analytics, getting the information out to the consumer, letting the consumer use that information to make a decision about where they want their care. Ultimately, who cares who owns the organization if they're providing five-star care and they have five-star staffing and five-star, you know, uh, surveys? You know, there's no reason to, to be concerned about who owns it. It'll be interesting to see what comes out in the media in the next couple of months as people begin to uh, comb the data and pull their own conclusions. It'll be interesting to see if there are any actual trends related to private equity ownership or REITs and things like that and the quality of care. But I have not seen that in my experience. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they find. So getting back to Parkland, uh, what are you doing that is innovative and unique right now? How are you looking to the future, especially in senior living? So one thing we're doing right now is actively exploring ways of how we can contribute to social determinants of health. Hmm. That's the first thing we're doing. Mm -hmm. And that will benefit all Dallas County residents, because that is the county that we serve. And we serve seven counties in addition to uh, Dallas County, but Dallas County is about 85% of all our members. And we're all, most of our uh, providers reside. So we're seeing how we can affect the social determinants of health. So that's the first thing we're doing. Uh, The second thing we're doing is um, a Parkland Community Health Plan. As we set ourselves up for growth, 
we are actively now looking at how we can provide more health plan coverage. Not just right now, we, we provide Starship Medicaid, which is mostly children and moms and certain adults. But there's also an opportunity to provide care, I mean, uh, plan, uh, coverage for those who are chronically ill that either have Medicaid or Medicare by having more contracts with the state for the more chronically sick and also starting a Medicare plan. Because when we do that, then you can really start looking at this uh, special need um, um, these skilled nursing facilities who tend to have more special need groups and a lot of those fall into uh, Medicare, uh, Medicare Advantage plans. So having that Medicare Advantage plan as part of our portfolio or strategizing for it to add it um, in the very near future will now enable us to serve more of the population with that our, our, our system uh, provides safety net care for from the treatment side, but now we complement it from the healthcare, you know, health plan coverage side. Wow, you certainly are doing a lot over there. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, I think the, fi- the final thought is um, you actually mentioned it uh, about five minutes ago when you talked about touched on data and analytics. Everything we do in healthcare, if it comes from including breaking down of silos. Mm-hmm. including partnerships, including being transparent, uh, including making agreements work, even patient care, provider care, cost. None of this will happen without data and analytics. The key thing is to have a robust technological solution in form of data analytics. It breaks down silos. It makes things possible. And I always like to say that um, I prefer to be um, to be working for a data company that just happens to be in the business of healthcare, <laughs> as opposed to a healthcare company that is trying to be uh, data uh, to use data analytics. Because the former, if you adopt that as your DNA, uh, it's you, you can really change healthcare in the U.S. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. This was a really unique resource to our listeners. And I know I certainly learned some things speaking with you today. Thanks for having me. I I enjoyed enjoyed it immensely. Wonderful. If you'd like to learn more about Parkland Community Health Plan, please feel free to reach out to Peter on LinkedIn or reach out to me directly. Thanks for joining us. And if you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Remember, It's not just what you know, but how you apply it that makes all the difference. See you next time.